Thank you for listening to a message from the Oak Haven Church. The following sermon was recorded during our Sunday morning worship service. We hope that this message will be helpful to you and encourage you to explore the Word of God. And now, this week's message. This is a reading from the Gospel of Luke. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Thank you, Mary. Appreciate you reading that, and I appreciate everybody helping out this morning. We have lots of people that are gone, and uh, we wish them all uh, best of luck and safety and travel, and uh, grateful and welcome, looking forward to welcoming them, welcoming them home. I'm going to have to slow down. And I appreciate everybody's help here this morning. I'm grateful that you are all here with us this morning. Um, I am not your usual speaker. If you're visiting with us this morning, our minister Larry will be back next week. And, but I really do appreciate all the help that everybody has uh, offered over the summer. There's been lots of people coming and going all summer long, and we're grateful to have people back with us. Um, grace and gratitude. I had a really hard time coming up with what I would speak about. I knew this day was coming a long time ago, and it was on the calendar. And I was pretty successful in cajoling other people to take the open spots. And uh, some of it took quite a bit of cajoling. Um, and this spot didn't fill, and I kept trying to get somebody to take it. And it's fallen to me. And I am, uh, I am grateful to have the opportunity to speak with you because I have lots of things to be grateful for. But grace and gratitude is the theme of my conversation with you today. And I'm going to probably be reading this so that it doesn't go too long. I don't extemporaneously speak on too many parts here, but I, I will be reading it, but I, I hope you uh, recognize that it, it's thoughtful and, and prepared uh, for us to be thoughtful and, and thankful. I want to begin by first sharing how grateful I am to Brenda, to Jim, to John, and Wayne for the messages that they have shared with us during these past weeks while Larry was working at camp or now on vacation. I found each of these messages to be personal, relatable, thought-provoking, each in their own and unique, differing ways. And that leads me to also share how grateful each of us need to be to Larry for the way that he meets this preaching challenge week in and week out. I've been gone a lot lately, but I was able to view Larry's narrative message a couple of weeks ago as he portrayed his friend Sam Ariton, who you just heard mentioned again in The Samaritan, uh, mentioned in the reading that Mary just did for us, but where he gave um, a, a number of differing points of view that might have been present in the Good Samaritan story. And I hope that you found it as personal, challenging, and thought-provoking as I did. And if you've missed any of these messages, 
any Larry's message, his narrative sermon, or the messages that anybody over these last months have given, they are well worth your time to go back and look online, look up oakhavenchurch.net, the church in the barn. You can find it by just doing a search, the church in the barn, and look for online services or sermons. Each of these messages in its own way has been incredibly powerful uh, to me, and I think it would be a blessing to you as well. I'm hopeful that today I'll be able to build on some of the ideas that have been brought up by Wayne and Larry and John and Jim and Brenda over these past weeks. Grace. There are many references to grace in the Bible. A quick look at your concordance will list a long list, and these selections describe some differences in what is being portrayed when using the word grace. I'm going to read just short snips. There's quite a few of them. Just stick with me here. Psalms 45 mentions it early on in the poem to a king, probably to Solomon, on the day of his wedding. You are the most excellent of men, and your lips have been anointed with grace, since your God has blessed you forever. Proverbs 1.9, listen, my son, to your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. They will be a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. Proverbs 3.22, my son, preserve sound judgment and discernment. Do not let them out of your sight. They will be life for you, an ornament to grace your neck. Then you will go on your way in safety, and your foot will not stumble. Is this coming through okay? Am I standing close enough? Okay. Tina tells me you get too far away. I can't hear you. Proverbs 3.34, the Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the home of the righteous. He mocks proud mockers, but gives grace to the humble. John 1.14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father full of grace and truth. Acts 6, now Stephen a man full of God's grace and power, did great wonders and miraculous signs among the people. In Acts 11:23, speaking of Barnabas as he began some of his work in Antioch shortly after Stephen's death, news of this reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw the evidence of the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. Acts 14.3, in Iconium, so Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there, speaking boldly for the Lord, who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to do miraculous signs and wonders. Acts 15.11, from the council at Jerusalem, concerning sharing the good news with the Gentiles, now then... Why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of the disciples a yoke that neither we nor our fathers have been able to bear? No, we believe that it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that we are saved, just as they are. Acts 10, 20, 24, Paul in his farewell to the Ephesians, I consider my life work nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord has given me the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. You can hear how this term is being 
from the early statements is kind of talking about maybe just an ornament or something, but it's taking on much more depth. It's taking on much more meaning and much more primary focus that this grace is the thing, not just an ornament or not just a, something on the side, but it is the thing. Romans 6, 13, 14, Paul tells the Romans, do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of, the wicked, as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not be your master, because you are not under law, but you are under grace. That's pretty significant. Romans 11.5, Paul, as he refers to those saved in earlier times by not bowing down to Baal, so too at the present time there is a remnant chosen by grace. And if by grace then it is no longer by works. If it were, grace would no longer be grace. 1 Corinthians 15.10, Paul describes his personal situation. For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, mm, yet not I, but the grace of God that was within me. 2 Corinthians 6.1, Paul shares, As God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. This one's an audience participation question. See if you can fill in the blank here when it comes, okay? See if you can complete this verse. 2 Corinthians 12.9. Paul shares about his desire to have his thorn in the flesh removed. That three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, my, my grace is sufficient. These, this word is just all over our faith. It's just, it's just part of our faith. It's just some part that, a word that we can look over so easily, but it's so important. Here Paul is saying, I want this to be taken away from me. I could do more work for you, God, if I only didn't have this pain or if I didn't have this ailment or I didn't have this speech impediment or I didn't have this whatever that might be. He says, no, my grace is sufficient. For my power is made perfect in your weakness. I'm winding down on the quotes here, but Ephesians 2, 4 through 10 but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. So this gift of Jesus from God is this grace that God felt for us. These people are going to need something. I need to give them something that they don't deserve, but they are going to, I'm going to give it to them as a gift. For it is by grace you've been saved, through faith and not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works that so no one can boast, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. 
Well, there's quite a bit of information there and situations that are a little bit different in, the diff in this series of references. What might I do with that information? I'm going to use the word if. And I use that word in the same way that the if programs that many of our women have been part of here, this if is a question, but it demands a response. It says, when they talk about if I believe, and if this news of Jesus is true, then how does that change the way I think, how I act, how I treat others, and how I praise Jesus? If I have been offered this wonderful gift of grace, and yes, I believe that I have been offered this wonderful gift of grace, then I should be responding with wonder, humility, and gratitude. And I should certainly not respond with pride or any sense of entitlement, or maybe even worse, any indifference, portraying any impression that I deserve or I have earned or that I be, I've been owed this gift of grace, or maybe worse, that I don't even care. So you got to buckle up with me or see if we can get through this next part. I think back in my history when I've been offered grace by friends, family, and Jesus, I have not always responded as well as I would have liked. In the scripture that Mary just read, we find out that out of the ten lepers who came to Jesus asking to be cleansed, Jesus asks, is this the only one out of the ten who were cleansed, but just the one came back? I think that number may be an accurate percentage of how many people respond appropriately to the grace that is offered to them. I am certain that it's pretty close to the right percentage and maybe even a bit generous when describing the percentage of the way I personally respond to grace. My response needs to be that of intense gratitude. This response of gratitude is the other side of the equation that always needs to be present with grace. Gratitude needs to be clearly displayed by evidence and action from me. I have everything to be grateful for. I know that I do not deserve any of the gifts I have received. I do, oh boy, here we go, <clears throat> here we go. I do not deserve the loving family that I was brought up in. I certainly do not deserve the wonderful wife that God blessed me with. I've been blessed to have healthy babies born to us, and those babies grew into fun and wonderful girls, women, wives, and now mothers. <sighs> I've been blessed with son-in-laws who love and respect our daughters, and they're both a blessing to us. And now as if that's not enough, we have four healthy, energetic grandchildren who, define what, who redefine what loves feel like. I think I should be a walking talking billboard for gratitude. Whoa. I see some of my friends, even some among you, dealing with terrible hardships in their lives. And I do not think that they have done something that I have not, that they deserve hardships or that, it, that I do not deserve hardships. It reminds me of, of part of John Lowe's message where he said, God's not always fair. I am personally very grateful that God is not always fair, as we define, define fair in our words, as my life could be miserable if I got what I deserved. 
I sometimes wonder why this has happened to them and not to me. It's not fair. Does my gratitude for my life shine through and offer support to lift others up, to give others hope? Well, it should. And I should be a ray of hope and a ray of support and a ray of encouragement to those who are suffering. In Jim's message, he spoke about not having the opportunity to share some final thoughts with his dad that were important before he died. I'm so grateful I was offered the grace to be able to say everything I wanted to my dad. We were able to resolve things and we had important conversations. Brenda talked about how people who may not seem to be a big deal in the big human picture of things went on to do incredible things and heroic deeds in the name of God. And I've benefited from some of those same kinds of people as they took time to pay attention to me as a child and later as an adult or to share a thought or to offer a correction, to offer me grace that I did not deserve. Many of them are right here in this room now or have been in the past and I'm grateful for that guidance. Larry's lesson about his good friend Sam Ayrton helped me to appreciate those people who are different from me. Regardless of the way they look or the way they think, they each are equally important to God. Regardless of what I think or if I think that they are deserving of grace, I'm grateful for this gentle reminder to be gentle, kind, and compassionate and to offer the same grace to others that has been offered to an undeserving me. Much of what I have learned about grace and gratitude, I've learned right here, in this place, with you. This simple place offers a space for reflection, for repentance, for rebirth, for repurposing. I've experienced personally right here. But it's not this space. It's not the space that is so important. It's the learning about Jesus. It's about learning about accepting his sacrifice, about accepting his grace and observing others as they share their challenges. And they demonstrate their gratitude for that grace. It's coming back week after week and learning more or refocusing or recognizing the need to start all over. Again. To repent of former ways. To ask forgiveness again and to commit to allowing our gratitude for the grace that we've been offered to shine as a light of hope to others who are desperately looking for light. I can't see my page. <laughs> so if today you are feeling lost, or unfocused or without purpose, please talk to one of us today. I know you can get it here. We don't have it all together, 
but we know where to find the help. We've come in here uh, looking for a change in our life. We've come in here looking for something to give us purpose. We've come in here looking for forgiveness. We've been where you are. We know, where these, we know these feelings. We may be right here where you are today again also. We don't have it all together, but we know where to get help. So please, join me this week in making a commitment to demonstrating gratitude and sharing God's, sharing God's grace with those you meet this week. I thank you for joining us today, and I pray that you all have a great week. Thanks so much for being with us. Amen. If those of you are visitors today, we'd like to meet you, and if you didn't get a chance to fill out a visitor card, please do that, but uh, let us get to know you a little bit, and uh, everybody have a great week, and thanks for being here. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Oak Haven Church. We're located at 2175 Witzel Avenue in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. To hear previous podcasts, visit our website at oakhavenchurch.net.